This is the audio version of Talking Comic Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego, our weekly live podcast where Leonard Sultana and a bunch of special guests talk about San Diego Comic Con and the world of con culture and all the surrounding stuff and nonsense. This is Series 5, Episode 7, broadcast on the 10th of September, 2017. And in this episode, Leonard is an absentee host, as circumstances beyond his control meant that he was unable to take part in the show. In the plus column, his podcast partner in crime, Alyssa Franks, from the Friends of Comic-Con Forum, takes the reins and talks about the news of the week, including the upcoming New York Comic-Con panel lotteries and Hasbro's inaugural convention, Hascon. Joining her is Mark Serby, who reviews the latest Stephen King big-screen adaptation, It. We really do appreciate the help and support we get from our Patreon donors. Please join the family and donate at patreon.com slash EnglishmanSDCC. We are now live. All right. Minus Leonard. <laughs> yes. If you haven't seen the pictures of uh, Leonard and Caroline in the emergency room, uh, that uh, so we can officially say family emergency. But we have a packed show for you today. I'm going over just a brief review, going over HasCon, PowerCon, uh, the New York uh, Comic-Con lottery for tickets to the panels. Then we're also going to be talking uh, about, of course, media, because uh, uh, how can I not talk about media with my lovely co-host? <laughs> <laughs> when have you been talked about as lovely? Mark, how long um, uh, Probably the last time I spoke to you, to be honest, Alyssa. So you, you've clearly got this word just put right in front of me every time. So I thank you for that. It's very kind of you. Oh, you're, you're welcome. So, so to introduce, uh, Mark Serby is joining me today. Uh, we are putting together a show on the fly for everybody. Feel free to join us in the Q&A. Um, hello, Aaron. Hello, Graham and Craig, uh, the regular partners in crime. Thank you guys for joining us uh, on, on such short notice with such the he- hectic schedule. How has your week been, Mark? <laughs> um, it has been, mu- well, much like this, hectic, very, very busy. Um, it's been full of film screenings. Um, one of them we will come to soon, It. Um, and then uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see that I was on live TV on Thursday night, which was uh, which was great, loads of fun. However, the London tube system failed me, and I was... What should have taken 15 minutes took 45 minutes, and I'm stood on this tube sweating, thinking I'm going to miss my live TV debut. So I, I could, which was good because I could, I didn't think about what I was going to say or anything else like that. I was just thinking I need to get there, and going loads of things were going through my mind, like get an Uber or just run there. It will only take you 25 minutes. I'm thinking I'm not going to run. This is ridiculous. Come on, I don't do running, um, but I got there just on time and. Um, all went well. Apparently, it seemed to go very nicely. Uh, I enjoyed myself. Um, so it was good. Yeah, yeah. I, I would absolutely actively encourage everybody, if you get the chance to do live TV, do it. Because it doesn't feel like live TV. It feels like you're sat in a room with a bright light and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it was good. It was very, very good. Um, and then the next day, uh, I went off to talk about my book, uh, at some radio stations and some planning for some other bits I've got coming up. I will talk about that later. And then that was it. I kind of sat down all exhausted after a hectic week. So yes, it has been chaos, but enjoyable chaos. I can imagine doing these shows uh, with Leonard over the years have kind of really prepped you very well for the live television show interview. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Yourself and Leonard have kept me on my toes. So doing live TV with standard presenters was a breeze compared to uh, (laughs) Leonard and Alyssa. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, 
you know, if you do it long enough, you're going to have to think by the seat of your pants and just yeah. go with the go with the flow. So that's it. Doesn't surprise me, given the fact that you only did a, you know maybe a 15 minute segment on live television. If you had done, if you do more segments on live television, I guarantee you there will be section there will be <laughs> problems akin to what Leonard and I have had over the past years. I look forward to it and and think, okay, what would happen if I was with Alyssa and Leonard? Think about it. Think about it. Uh, I don't know. So, yes. Yes. Anyway, speaking of uh, debuts, uh, HasCon, uh, how's that that for a segue? (laughs) HasCon, I did get a report from uh, Mike Leventhal about HasCon, which took place in Providence, Rhode Island last uh, this weekend. It's still going on. Um, he spoke with me on the phone a few, for a few minutes last night. Um, uh, his general feeling about it was that it was a good first con, uh, for people to go to. Um, they, he said that it was, although it was a little bit surprising that they didn't have the lines down better, um, because apparently what they would do is if there was a, a panel, they would hand out tickets an hour before that panel um, to attend the panel. So consequently, if you had a three o'clock panel, tickets would be handed out at two. All of us con goers know that we have to show up by one. And HasCon didn't quite apparently get that, <laughs> that they were going to have to manage queues and lines um, for, for those tickets. They did pull in some big name fans. I know a uh, big name Folks, I know that they had Stan Lee there. Um, and I'm just taking a look through the, the, the Q&A scene if anybody else can, can give me some other names. Um, of course, being a toy convention, they were uh, very interested in the exclusives. Apparently, there was no problem getting those. And Mike's thought was that there was going to be plenty for sale later. Um I don't know if that's going to be actually the case, but he said it was a good day and a half, a one day, day and a half con. Uh, so good first effort was, was the big thing. You had mentioned, um, power con. I have never heard of that before, Mark. Well, I think you probably only know power con if you are a massive He-Man and She-Ra fan, like I am. Um, I mean, I haven't discussed this much actually on this hangout. I'm a huge, huge, huge He-Man fan. Um, I only knew about it because I had earlier this year, uh, interviewed James Etock. You can see that interview on Leonard's site. He had, he was the guy who initially started up the He-Man and She-Ra complete episode website way back in the day, like in the in the 90s when the internet was first born. He basically started all this up with what, uh, a guy called Zadok Angel. Um, you can read all this on the interview. It's a massive interview as well. He's such a nice guy. Um, and he was tweeting to say he's going out to PowerCon. Now, PowerCon is all for He-Man and She-Ra, basically. Um, and I'm just looking at it. I mean, I'd love to go. It, I'd be in my element here. There's so many people here. There's people there who basically were from Mattel, who made the toys, obviously, people who made the cartoons. There were some people who made the Dolph Lundgren film as well. Um, there's people who worked on the new animation as well. There's just There were so many people. I was looking at the list, and I, it was so difficult to pick anybody out really i mean there was people coming from like australia and places like that and it just the list goes on i'm just looking at it now it's ridiculous lots of cosplayers as well official cosplayers um and from the pictures that i saw it looked like it went really well it looked like a lot of fun there was a lot of cosplay people there and the thing is you know shira is a very popular cosplay artist i saw a lot at san diego this year so i'd like if anybody went or if anybody knows anybody who went, do get in contact. I really want to know how it went because it looks like fun. The ticket prices seem quite cheap, I thought, as well. Um, there was a lot of panels going on. There wasn't um, any – well, there was a few of the – shall we say, secondary character voice actors from the original cartoon series. But uh, Melandry Britt wasn't there. And uh, forgive me, because his his name is now completely gone. The guy who did He-Man's voice, basically, he wasn't there. He doesn't do conventions anymore, basically. He's stopped doing all of that. Um, But everybody else was there. So I'm interested to know how it went. It seemed to go okay. Good. 
Good. So maybe yeah. it's one for the future for everybody to look out. If you're a He-Man and She-Ra fan, um, it's, it's clearly one that if you're in the Los Angeles area that could yeah. be worth a day trip to. It, it sounds interesting, not being that much with toys, I, but I could see how there would be a, a certain segment of the market who would be very interested in that show and that, that convention. And the cosplay, as you said, you know, getting more and more, since I'm getting more and more into cosplay, that would be fun just to, to see what everybody creates. That's, that's wonderful. That's real fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Um, we do have a bit of news with regards to the New York. Oh, actually, one thing um, I wanted to, to ask you. Andrew English is asking uh, you, Mark, how you like the new monkey supermarket adverts. Monkey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, as a purist, I hate them. But as a piece of fun and entertainment, I really like them. I think they're really fun. These are um, money supermarket adverts which have He-Man and She-Ra, real-life He-Man and She-Ra dancing through the streets. Um, I'm sure you can see them on YouTube if you're not in the UK. Uh, they are very fun. They are really fun. Um, yeah, I'm kind of torn. I'm, I'm kind of torn, to be honest. But, uh Yeah. <laughs> Because oh, I didn't know quite where Andrew was going with that. So I'm glad <laughs> you that in with the right segment. Yay! <laughs> yes, the, these little things. Uh, so, <laughs> so moving on to uh, the New York lottery. Um, Sarita P, feel free to, uh, since I know that you're, um, so that, uh, I know that you're up on this, feel free to jump in and, and help me out with this because I haven't, been keeping up with it as much as possible, but I think it's important to mention because it's one of the first huge cons in the states which are going towards lotteries for panels, exclusives, and autographs. And um, I, I, you know, they Repop has always been a very for uh, front thinking uh, convention organization. And um, the first ones who did RFID, uh, et cetera. So I think it's it's going to be interesting. Um, I have to say that not a lot of people that I know are really looking forward to this. But for the people who don't know what's how they've structured it, um, you have to activate your badge. So you'll get your tickets in the mail. You activate it. Um, it's as I said, it's for main stage exclusives and signings. Um, you've got a 10, uh, an 11-day window to activate your badge, um, starting, as Sarita said, starting September 14th, and it ends on the 25th. Um, they've broken it, which, now this is the part which is starting to get tricky. They've broken the panels into two classes of panels, um, a group A and a group B, for lack of better designates. Um, and I can only assume <laughs> that group A's are going to be something uh, akin to uh, the Walking Dead's um, and group B's will be smaller animation, smaller panels, uh, you know, that don't that may be a little bit tricky to get into, but aren't. You know, if you were to queue up, you would you'd probably be able to get into them. Um, apparently, you can only enter two into two lotteries for the group one events. So say I'm going on Thursday, I can only enter two, two lotteries. So that means I've got between autographs and sign, the way I understand it, the way um, between autographs, panels and signings, I can only enter two of those three events. So say I wanted to go see Neil deGrasse Tyson on Thursday, I can only, uh, I could only enter into the Funko lottery. You know, I could see those two as being, uh, 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 um, you know, things that people would want to do. Um, I couldn't enter if there's any special signings that day, I couldn't enter into those. I would have to go and hopefully get, get one of the other slots, the remaining slots. Correct me, Sarita, if I'm wrong <laughs> on this, please. Um, that's, I don't like that. I, 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 I'm not, I, I don't like that. I will say that if you do win 
you are able to um, get enter in for four tickets. So say I say I wanted to enter, I entered and I won for Neil deGrasse Tyson. I would be able, I could have selected the fact that I wanted four tickets for that. So I can go with my um, my friends or you know take somebody else. I believe that other friend needs to be. Um, you've got to put their emails there that are associated with their repop account in there also. So they are um, actually uh, verifying the fact they can't have somebody who doesn't have a ticket to Thursday, enter the Neil deGrasse Tyson, turn around and sell it onto um, eBay uh, for a profit, which uh, at least they're doing that. I will say just as a, a small aside, I, de- I did see, um, a tweet from Mike Armstrong, who is a manager who runs New York Comic Con. And he said that, uh, he is disheartened by the amount of problems. His faith in humanity, um, has been shaken, um, by all of his experiences with New York Comic Con. So I am quite confident that people are trying to gain the system for a profit. Um, I am glad that they are doing the fan verification. Can, so, can I just uh, just jump yeah. in here, Alyssa? Uh, I can see both sides of that argument. Um, I, I can see that, you know, us as congoers, we like to queue up. We like a line. We like to be in there. And then you get that sense of adrenaline of thinking, I'm going to be in the room here, and I could be in the room all day to see The Walking Dead and, you know, whatever else. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I like the idea that it is a lottery and you have to, you can only go for so many because then it forces you to go and see something you might not ordinarily see. So you might find something you have never touched before, but you just stumble across because you couldn't get into other things. So it's an interesting situation. I'm looking forward to seeing how you feel it will play out. Mm, That's a good point. Um, What it reminds me of, um, a study that um, a gentleman did, uh, Rob Sokowich did, which um, was talking about the crossover between different fan groups. And if it incur, if it does indeed encourage the crossover, I, I have to agree with you. And I do like that, that motivation um, for doing it. I'm not sure that they did that, you know, that that was their, their plan. I think what they're trying to do is spread the joy out amongst a lot of different fans. Um, which is good, you know, and they clear the rooms in their main stage. So, you know, that's, I can understand saying, okay, you've got to choose between, uh, you know, this panel or this panel, um, or an autograph signing. You know, I can understand that. It just, I just kind of don't like it <laughs> because it's going to, it might limit my choice. And you, you know, basically, you want to have your cake and eat it too, is what you're saying. Totally. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I, I won't say I'm professional, you know, but I, I am an experienced con goer <laughs> and I know, I know how to play the system, you know, within the rules, within yep. the rules. And uh, that's, that's also kind of one of, one of the things that, uh, my moderator on my, uh, one of my group leaders, um, buying group leaders brought up, uh, who does a lot with lines and exclusives, uh, Brooklyn, um, otherwise known as NCDS on the, on the, um, on the forum, she is has talked uh, and is we're going to be publishing an article like tomorrow or the next day. It's already written and she's done a, a tremendous job on it. So keep your eyes out for it on lines at different conventions. She goes to New York Con, she goes to San Diego, um, she goes to Denver Con. So she's got a good. She's a, another experienced con goer and really. Um, has been in some situations where she has been fearful of getting hurt um, in lines. So um, while Repop really does control their lines, I think this is another way of, of limiting it and controlling it. And I see your, your point and her point, which is we, there are people who are going to game the system by illicit means, by, you know, by pushing and shoving and being mean. So, um, the one thing that I'm concerned about, uh, with the, the big lines, um, is that I was just taking a look at the Q and A over there, <laughs> um, is that if 
50, uh, if half of the audience, say, uh, uh, 1500 people win a lottery, half of them show up. That means there's 750 tickets there. What's going to happen to those 750 tickets that don't, for lottery winners that have said, I want to go to the show, but don't show up because they got a better offer mm-hmm. or they weren't going to the con or a family emergency happened. So are they going to have a standby line? How are they going to manage that? Um, they've got to have had a plan for that. I'm sure they do. We just don't know what it is yet. <laughs> so. But let's, let me go through the Q&A and see um, what else uh, that just, um, let's see, uh, Graham Small says, I hope San Diego adopts a lottery for Hall H. It's a good shout. <laughs> so, you know, it's once again, it is, I, I appreciate both sides. Um, I get the feeling that maybe San Diego will be looking at this very closely. I would assume they would. I mean, they, you know, they looked at read uh, RFIDs and yeah. look what happened. So yeah. I assume so. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Sarita P responds to you, Mark. Um, but Mark, that's up to the person to do what they want. Isn't that the purpose of going? Yes. So that you can, you can choose to do what, you know, you can make your own choice. But. Sarita, in in Mark's defense, um, there's a lot of shows that I wouldn't know about unless I had unless I had stumbled upon them. Um, That's the beauty of conventions is stumbling across something and then becoming a fan of it, I think. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. But that's uh, Sarita P. Oh, Super Cat Chick says, yeah, um, there, are they going to be clearing rooms? Yes. They, Reed Pop clears rooms before, uh, between panels and especially for the main stage. They have done that consistently. I don't think they clear for Hammerstein and, um, the, uh, the other big venue. It's <laughs> Madison Square Garden. <laughs> um, yeah, the Javits in the, um, so. That I think is kind of New York Comic Con tickets in a nutshell. Unless um, anybody else has anything to say, stay tuned. It's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. And I think we're kind of at that new, a new threshold, a new uh, hurdle to see to see how this this moves on. Um, I did hear a couple of announcements this week about um, that Gotham was going to have a panel and Family Guy. And um, Keanu Reeves, do you know, did you hear about that, Mark? I, I saw something on Twitter this week that said Keanu Reeves is going to be there. Um, and at first I kind of thought, okay. I mean, the, you've got to think that last year, obviously, they had John Cusack, which is quite a big coup. You know, John Cusack is a big actor, I think. He's done a lot of good stuff. Um, so clearly they are going for this sort of, not left of centre choice but somebody who you wouldn't automatically think of being at a comic con you know it's something like that okay he's there for uh replicas i think it's replicas uh his film great um so it's a good choice i really like keanu reeves um i think he will bring in a lot of people i've seen him interviewed and he does sort of flip-flop between being really interested once he's talking about something that he is heavily invested in um so when he released i'm trying to think what the film was he released a film maybe about five or six years ago that had like a um very japanese mythology it was very a wuxia type film and it looked great it was terrible but he was the interviews he gave were very very interesting Mm. then i've seen him giving interviews for other films and he's looked like he was completely in a different planet. You know, he just was not interested. Um, so if he's got a panel there, like a standard Q&A panel, along with, obviously, this film that he's showing, I think that could be quite an interesting talk. Obviously, people are going to ask him about Bill and Ted. You know, that we all want a third Bill and Ted film. We all want it. So if you can just hurry up, that would be great. Um, but he's got a lot to talk about. You know, the guy's made a lot of interesting films. Um, so I think he could be an interesting guy. Are you a fan of his? Um, I like, I like, in general, I like the stuff that he does. Um, sometimes I find it a bit uh, detached 
I find it, you know, I find him as an actor to be just not really, you know, there's not a lot there. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if that's, that's a normal, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's a, it's a valid criticism. Sometimes there are films where he is in it where he does seem to be on autopilot. Um, mm-hmm. and it's a bit of a shame because it does feel like he could have offered more to, push that film um as a kind of sidetrack i I guess we could quickly talk about a film that he put out well he didn't put it out but he was front and center of the posters this was maybe about two years ago it was a film called exposed um which it it had a very troubled past and he was front and center on these posters when in actual fact you went to see the film and he was only in it for maybe 20 minutes It, it is a crime thriller um but actually that's not how the film was made the film was actually a supernatural thriller and that was going to be called daughter of god keanu reeves was going to be in it for like 10 minutes it was going to be akin to like pan's labyrinth something like that so there was a lot of mythology going on and lionsgate bought the film hated it and then they took it away from the director the director took his name off it so they cut it down to one hour 40 the film was originally over two hours um and basically here in the uk anyway they just threw it out on vod and it got a real kick in like one star across the board i saw it 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 wasn't a good film at all um and it was a shame because you you felt like there was something there but it just wasn't working bizarrely so it's some having seen keanu pop up this week saying he's going to be at new york comic Con, you know on twitter and whatever else it reminded me of that film and i thought i wonder if the original version daughter of god ever went anywhere because i know somebody who saw the original version one of the producers leaked it to them um sure enough yes daughter of god is available online i won't tell you where it is it is available to watch online um so somebody has leaked this version i haven't watched it yet but i'm really interested to see what it is like compared to the terrible exposed um so yeah, that's an interesting situation for Keanu Reeves, I think. A man who is front and centre of these posters, and yet he's not in the film. And now we have the original film available in certain places if you want to get it. Um, so if you're going to New York Comic Con, you get the chance. That could be an interesting question to ask him. Are you coming? Are you coming? No. To- no, sadly not. If If I was, I would ask him about it because, you know, I mean, granted, he's only an actor, but... As an actor, you want to see your film out there. You want it to get out to a wide audience. And clearly this director had got some sort of vision. As I said, you know, Pan's Labyrinth, he was quoting. I'm thinking, well, that's a masterpiece. This is no, this is not a masterpiece. But I, I see what you're trying to do. So Keanu Reeves must have bought into that. And I would love to hear what he has to say about where it changed and what he feels about it now. I'm not sure that um it seems like... Keanu Reeves kind of is one of those actors that says yes to most everything though. Um, I, you know, so that, I mean, that's why I think that he doesn't bring it to some, to some show, to some movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're probably going to yell at me, but he kind of reminds me a little bit of Tom Cruise, you know, <laughs> just that, that there are some shows that he just, why, what were you thinking? You know, about me why were you thinking about making this one um so that's you know maybe maybe it was one of those shows that and once once you put your film down you know once you put take your cut down you're that's there's nothing else you that you can do yeah yeah no no i appreciate your uh, your stance on that Alyssa. absolutely but you've got to remember that uh he had huge success with John Wick and John Wick yeah. 2 earlier this year. You know, I mean, he he's still an A-list actor, but he yeah. seems to make these B-list movies occasionally. You know, Knock Knock came out a couple of years ago, which had really good ideas, but uh wasn't, it didn't finish very well. So maybe he is that type of, look, yeah. I'll take this to get the money so I can make a film that I want to make. Um But I don't know what these films are that he wants to make. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so but there's not a vision. I mean like with Chris Chris Hemsworth, there's a vision. You know where he wants to go. Um the Thor guy, right? Yes. Oh no, Captain America with like Captain... <laughs> Chris Evans. 
Hey, Chris Evans. Sorry. Yeah, I got my Chris's mixed up. Um, but there's a vision. You know what he's about. You, you get a strong sense of center. And I don't, I mean, Tom Cruise and, um, uh, uh, Keanu Reeves, they're both, they're both A-list. They both have been A-list actors over the, you know, over the yeah. course of their career at one point or another. And yes, Keanu is certainly, um, but, I think he's he's more like riding the train as opposed to trying to steer it. <laughs> I like that analogy. We should, we should get him to do like a train film or something. Like he should be in the Snowpiercer film, a uh, TV show maybe. That's what I, he should I, be in. I woke up, you know, I was drinking coffee, and the first, you know, my my son was watching Train to the Sun. This one, <laughs> <laughs> you know, trains are on the mind. What can I say? Another classic. If nobody has watched it, yeah. But yeah, just to go back to that, obviously, if you are going to New York Comic Con, I would recommend maybe going to see Keanu talk. He could be a very interesting guy. Um, as you said, Alyssa, he has been around. He has been an A-list actor. I still think he is. Um, he's got stories. Whether it's just about the Matrix, we don't know, but he's got stories. Do you know anything about the the plot of Replicas? I don't. I know nothing about this apart from obviously it popping up. And I saw one picture of him with like this helmet thing on. Um, I mean, I'm still intrigued by it. You know, I'm always intrigued by a Keanu Reeves film and him doing sci-fi. That could be very interesting. But I know nothing about it. Haven't seen a trailer. Haven't seen a poster. um, Nothing at all. Don't know. Okay. Nobody on the Q&A knows either. Um, I got Ronan47 and John Wick, too, they mentioned. Uh, Graham Small says maybe he's a better agent. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's a good point, yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. I, I'm yeah. There, there with you. Um, we have had uh, the end of a series that uh, this past week, which um, I'd love to get your take on because I have not watched – Twin Peaks at all and have you watched the whole series yes I I, I finished it uh, Monday morning because they, they do a simulcast here in the UK mm-hmm. with the US so 2am here they show the uh, the at the same time basically so what I do is I just DVR it and then when I get up at 7am I watch it maybe 7am is the perfect time to watch some David Lynch your mind is still a little bit foggy or something like that um, I remember in tra- a train to Busan this morning <laughs> all day <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> it's more zombies <laughs> anyway I'm sorry I derailed <laughs> David uh, yes, yes well Twin Peaks I mean the, the, the funny thing is you know if you just said Twin Peaks is a San Diego type thing Two or three years ago, you might have been shouted down a little bit, but obviously we've got to remember they were there this year. Um, and it is a cult show. There's no two ways about it. Um, I was, as much as I love Game of Thrones, and I thought Game of Thrones really brought it this year with a shorter season and basically kicking butt every single episode. And, I, you know, after each episode of Game of Thrones, I would turn around and go, that was a really good episode. After each episode of Twin Peaks, I would say the same thing, yet it would be, it would be a completely different thing. Like, you know, the, the example is in Game of Thrones, something really big happens and somebody dies maybe and you go, wow, that was amazing. You watch Twin Peaks and you go, yeah, that was amazing. I just watched somebody sweep the floor for three minutes, but it was in black and white and there was no music and yet it was still amazing. Um, you know, this is the thing. It's, it's so difficult to comprehend how, why it's so amazing. Cause you think that sounds boring, but I loved the return of Twin Peaks. I just loved it. I'm a huge David Lynch fan. And I thought this season. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, it, it didn't start off too well. There was a lot of scrambling and you, you weren't too sure where it was going to land in the, in the world of Twin Peaks. And then episode eight hit. And uh, was it eight or 12? I'm trying to think now. And it wasn't an episode at all. It was basically uh, the evolution of the earth. And it was the most incredible episode I've ever seen. Did I enjoy it? I don't know. I have no idea about that. I'm still trying to process it. But mm-hmm. as a whole, I thought Twin Peaks was outstanding because David Lynch was operating on his own schedule. He didn't have Anybody at Showtime telling him, you need to do this. You need to get Audrey Horn in there. You need to get, you know, Bob back in and stuff like that. David Lynch was, David Lynch and Mark Frost were playing to their own song. 
And you don't see that in TV. I know, obviously, we're in the golden age of TV now, but still everybody is, um, you know, showrunners still have their problems with the producers and the studios. I don't think David Lynch did. They just went, listen, here, just do 18 episodes of whatever. It's Twin Peaks. And in all honesty, I came, as I said, I, I was just astounded every week. Did I enjoy it? I don't know. That's not the question that should be asked when you're watching a David Lynch TV show or film. But for it to be back after 20 years, and you've got to remember we have shows cancelled every season and then Netflix save it or Amazon save it or they get a film. For Twin Peaks to come back after 20 years kind of gives hope for a lot of shows, even Firefly. You know, as much as we don't want Firefly back, they, they've done a great and we, we want to save it as it is. There's still that hope. If Twin Peaks can do it, everybody else can do it. Mm-hmm. And the the thing I took away from Twin Peaks was that's still a phenomenal show. And David Lynch is still a phenomenal director. Um, yeah, I, ju- I was just astounded with it. I really was. I can't wait to watch it again. Um, will I understand it on the second watch? Probably not. No, but I'll still enjoy it as much. I, on the basis of what you've said, I'm going to actually really try and, and sort of, you know, find a way of of watching it. Um, maybe I'll get a, a month of Showtime and, and uh, you know, binge it over. I over would, month. yeah, I would say start with the original series because yeah. it's got a very I, easy in. Yeah, it's got a very easy in, whereas this doesn't at all. Um, mm-hmm. But I loved it. You know, I, I don't know. Is there, you know, going to the Q&A, I guess, did anybody else watch it? Did anybody else love it? Did people hate it? Um, I'm just interested to know what the response is, because I only follow people who love it. Um, right. So well, I'm interested first, to know. The first thing, yeah, the first thing I'm going to say is um, I have posed a question to everybody about what uh, Replicas was about. So let me just jump oh, yeah. back to that for one second. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Andrew English says, a daring synthetic biologist who, after a car accident, kills his family and will stop at nothing uh, after a dairy who after a car accident killed his family. Uh, so the car accident. Okay. Okay. <laughs> he didn't kill his family. Right. <laughs> um, we'll stop at nothing to bring them back. That biologist, if it means pitting himself against a government controlled laboratory, a police task force and the physical laws of science. So that's uh, according to Graham English, what, um, what Replicants was about with Keanu Reeves. Okay. Um, Graham Small goes on to say, and and I believe this is about um, Twin Peaks, that the panel was very dull uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. Um, the, the highlight was Matthew Lillard doing his shaggy voice. <laughs> <laughs> um, Graham Small doing, uh, doing Twin Peaks lines as shaggy from Scooby-Doo. Um, I'd watch Twin Peaks if he would do that all the time. <laughs> uh, Aaron says that he hasn't watched the uh, the new the new show, but what had watched the old show, but hasn't watched the new show yet. Um, he's he's a cord cutter, so he doesn't. Uh, he's a you know OTA over the air. Got kind yeah, of chill, and, chill. Yeah, which, no, know, I get it. You can get you can get so much on the web. There's no reason if I was in a place where um, I didn't I didn't have to uh, to get you know ABC, NBC, you know those basic channels. I certainly would cut the cord too. Um, but I will definitely be keeping track. Do you know? Well, you wouldn't know how they would do that in the states. I'm just wondering where I could look for Twin Peaks um, so I could purchase it. It you know just just Twin Peaks or uh, maybe a month of Showtime. Okay. Um, so, what else did you do this week? <laughs> so, we're doing a lot of segments with Mark. Um, mm. I did not happen to go see the big movie of the week. Um, I am not a huge horror movie person. Um, I did happen to see American Horror Story, and that was kind of my quota for... Um, <laughs> Horror. <laughs> I, I just saw the one episode. I kind of hit my head a little bit as I was watching it. Um, so, what did you think about it? Um, well, 
<laughs> we'll keep saying it. We refer to the film, obviously, rather than just a standard thing. Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, it is a different beast entirely to the TV movie that we had in 1990 with Tim Curry. This is a film that not only scares children, but I think it, it scares adults as well. Um, we have... Uh, it, it's very faithful to the Stephen King book, apparently, uh, according to some friends. We, we, it's kind of, it's got a dual story going on, really. Um, you've got Pennywise the Clown, played by Bill Skarsgård, who is terrific in the film. Absolutely terrific. And terrifying as well. Absolutely terrifying. Um, terrorizing these kids who live in Derry, Maine, um, and they all group together. For me. <laughs> Uh, well okay okay well look how about this so th there is lots of horror so you won't like that Alyssa. I, I get that there is a lot of horror going on there's a lot of bloodshed um it is gory it is some really good horror stuff going on in there i was really impressed with um i wasn't so impressed with the jump scares because they're typical horror tropes that we see a lot of but it was what followed so you got a jump scare into 20 minutes of psychological terror that's what I liked about it. It kept the tension going. I really like that about it. It did it very well. We have all of those horror tropes, you know, haunted house, things that go bump in the night, creaky doors. Great. We've seen it before, but it works very well here. Mm -hmm. But what I think would work nicely for if you were going to watch it, Alyssa, I know you're not going to watch it, but I think that the thing that works the best in the film is the coming of age tale with the kids. You could take all of the horror out of this film and just leave it as a coming of age tale of these children and it still be a brilliant, brilliant film. It is very similar to Stand By Me, obviously. It's kind of Stand By Me crossed with Stranger Things slightly as well. Um, the kids in it are much more self-aware of themselves than the 1990 film. So there is a lot of comedy in it. There's a lot of jokes at the expense of the kids of each other. Um, Richie, who is obviously the comedian of the group, He's got a lot of jokes and he does swear quite a lot, which I think some people might have a problem with because it didn't happen originally. But as I said, they've now become more self-aware with what's going on. Um, and I, I just was really impressed with the core group of these kids, all of them. I mean, yes, OK, there's one kid from Stranger Things in there. And there's another young lad who in there who I vaguely recognize. But I was impressed with all of them. I thought they were all fantastic. I've really got to give a special mention. I apologize. I don't know her name. The young lady, the young girl who played Bev in it. I thought she was outstanding in this film. She was so much fun. And yet there is a very, very evil story going on, not with Pennywise, but with her father in this film. And for a young child to take on that storyline, I was really impressed with her. And she was just fantastic in this film. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it just delivered it, everything you kind of want it to be, which is you want it to be scary. You want it to be interested. Oh, it's funny as well. And it works at being funny. Um, it's quite sweet in places. Um, it's just got the whole package. And I think that has shown by the fact that it's now taken $117 million in the US alone mm -hmm. off a $35 million budget. Well, you know, that that's the biggest horror film opening of all time. And it deserves it. It is a very, very good film. Um, it, it just does everything right. You know, I'm not going to say it's a masterpiece or anything else like that. But for horror film fans, you're going to love it because it is a return to big budget horror filmmaking. Well, not that big. I guess 35 million is not that huge. Um, you know, big studio made horror films that work. Um, Holly, uh, horror films in general have had a good renaissance over the past three years. And I think this is a good, um, point for them, really. A really good point. Blair Witch kind of missed the ball, unfortunately. I really liked it, but I think this is a really good point. Um, mm -hmm. but I'm a big fan of, I really like this film. Really mm -hmm. like it. Well, it sounds like you like it because it's a well-rounded film and it doesn't just re rely on the, um, as you said, the horror tropes, the, you know, the, the bump in the night kind of stuff. Um, Andrew English says, Sophia Lilius. Thank Lilius. you. Thank you. And, yes. Uh, yes. Um, he wrote, he hopes to go see it, uh, tomorrow. Um, going back to, <laughs> I will get back to, um, it. Um, I just want to catch Sarita P's, uh, yes. comments. 
uh, Will, uh, Will Foster, his choice of resurrection, um, cl- cutting edge clone technology. And there's also going to be footage of the film. Oh. Um, and it wow. takes place on Thursday in a smaller room. It's not in the main room. Um, so if anybody is interested, I got to think that that's going to be part of that group one things. Uh, Alice Eves also stars in it and Silicon Valley's Thomas Middle, Middle Ditch. Oh, cool. Oh, he's great. He's great. Yeah. So, um, but with regards to, um, it, it sounds like it's, I mean, given the fact that for 35 mil, million, and for a hundred and, tr- and they're making 120 million, they're going to well go over. I've got to think that they haven't, have they done the international, um, release of it yet? Yeah. Yeah. It came out the same time here. Okay. Um, yeah, well, it came out Friday here. Um, it is doing, uh, good business here as well. Um, I think that it's going to at least make two, 200, it will net 200 million over. <laughs> the 35 million production costs, which means a lot of the studios are going to be looking at making more horror films if they're getting that kind of a return for it. Yeah. I Um, think the point coming out of it is we don't need more Stephen King films because we have a lot of those already and the majority of them are not very good. We need well-made horror films mm -hmm. that are not part of a franchise. We don't need Saw Jigsaw. We're bored of it. Give us some interesting stories that are written by horror people. You know, yep. that's that's all we want. Um, and I think that goes hand in hand with what we saw over the summer, where it has been the worst year for a long time at the box office because nobody wants to see Pirates of the Caribbean 17, The Curse of Johnny Depp's Bottom, or, you know, Fast and the Furious <laughs> Seven, you know, I do whatever. Nobody want people want to go and see original story making, and that's why Dunkirk has done so well because it's original story making. And the same with it. Yes, okay, it's based on a book, and people will say, "Well, there was the original TV show, a uh, film," but yeah. it's not the same. No, no, I, I agree with you because I mean, we saw Aliens and Arrival, and what we're seeing is the movies that we're talking about and that are uh, forward thinking are the non-franchise movies. Yeah. And so yeah. death, shall we say the death of franchises? Well, we can't say that, unfortunately, <laughs> because we look at the numbers that something like Pirates of the Caribbean did and it still pulled in numbers. So, you know, Johnny Depp's going to be drunken Captain Jack Sparrow again. But the rise of, um, you know, great filmmaking that is not part of a franchise has come back again this year. Mm-hmm. And that's very rewarding. I, and, and, you know, we see, we're seeing that now, uh, through Venice because Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of the Water just won the best film at Venice. Now, obviously, Guillermo del Toro is a, a visionary, mm-hmm. but he struggles to make films. You know, they, they, they didn't want him to make Pacific Rim 2. So they've given that to somebody else. He struggled to make Hellboy 3 and had to say no. Now, obviously, they've given money for somebody else to do it. Um, but we're now seeing real filmmaking back again. We'll still have all the sequels and we'll still have all the franchises, but I don't think people are going to go in the droves that they did maybe two years ago. I'm not talking about like Marvel or DC. Right. You know, that's, I think that's a different beast, but we're talking about, you know, Fast and the Furious or something. Right. Uh, I think we're now getting real filmmakers back on screen, which is a good thing. Um, and it proves it. You give a bit of money to somebody who knows what they're doing. And, you know, um, Anthony Muschietti, he did Mama. It's a good film. It's not great, but he knows horror. You give him something which he can get his teeth into, and that is a pun to Pennywise as well. It works. <laughs> it works on every level. So give these good filmmakers money to do it. You don't need to give them millions. You just need to give them a good script and some decent money to make a good film. And we get a good film. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, directing and writing. Wow. Who would have thought that that would have made, you know, <laughs> made money? Exactly. Who would have thought it's that simple? <laughs> Cause it's, yeah. It, you know. <laughs> anyway, sarcasm. <laughs> so there, there you go. It's, you know, it, uh, there's no sarcasm in my family. 
None, none whatsoever. <laughs> but let's let's just recap that. Yes, I loved it. It was great. Yeah. It was everything I wanted it for a mainstream horror film. So if you are a horror film fan, or even if you're vaguely curious and willing to take a a cushion to hide behind, do mm-hmm. see it. It is well worth your time. I just, I mean, I haven't even seen Joss's um, uh, Cabin in the Woods. You know, I've got it. Uh, you know, I, I picked it out of the, you know, the the bin and i just i don't know i can't seem to get myself i'm I'm still waiting you know for the the right moment to put the the last aliens movie in the in the (laughs) and watch that one so i'm you know but and that's something i like but i um yeah so but just having to go back to an earlier thought that you had um it would be nice to see uh, a reboot with um some of the the more popular shows um, in the late, you know, in the, in the nineties and, and, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, but you mentioned, we talked about twin peaks already, but I have to think um, I, my pet wish is that we would have Joss would do something that was in the firefly universe. And especially with the controversy that he's under, I think doing a project that he loved in the Firefly universe, maybe not with the characters, you know, or guest appearances or something of the, along that line. I think it would be brilliant. I think it would be a real good uh, boost. You know, it would get him back to his roots. And, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think from my point of view, I'd like to see Firefly stay as it is. I don't mm-hmm. want any spin-off. There are comic books out there, if anybody uh, didn't know that. Um, I feel like maybe if he was going to do something smaller, it might be to do with Buffy, something like that. But you've got to remember, this is Joss Whedon, who, after doing The Avengers, decided to take on Shakespeare with Much Ado About Nothing. So, you know, he's he's not adverse to turning around and saying, yeah, my small film is just going to be about Shakespeare. And everybody yeah. says, so what? Mm-hmm. What, what nobody understands shakespeare and you're going to do it huh? yeah. so yeah but obviously he's working on um uh dc now and he's got batgirl as well so he's he's still busy um but Speaking yes if if i can make the leap between shakespeare and preacher <laughs> yes you can yes okay does that, that make sense does that make is that only make sense to me um, i like it Yes, absolutely. Uh, we get the season finale of Preacher, uh, is happening, uh, this week. And that, <laughs> is that your shirt? That's my t-shirt, Preacher. Yes. Nice. nice. Yes. So we're, we're all looking forward to that. We've been doing, uh, recaps and it's certainly, I, it's been one of the few shows that I've been able to keep up on and I am, Absolutely. We'll be tuning into that one live, uh, this, this coming week in television. Um, I can't, you know, I, that, I think the highlights for me this week are, are definitely is, is the preacher, um, preacher, uh, Orville is happening tonight. Also the Orville, the Seth MacFarlane, uh, is happening, which I, I am not a big fan of, you know, takeoffs and comedies and, you know, those kinds of shows. But Seth MacFarlane, it's, this is looking real, like it could be really good. Um, yeah. I'm just seeing if anybody has, you know, no, nobody said anything about it. Well, well, let me know about your, if you're anticipating the Orville too. Um, I'm looking forward to it, but nobody's got it here. Nobody's oh. got it. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a shame. Hopefully, hopefully somebody will pick it up, but we're, we're seeing that a little bit here in the UK that, um, some of the studios and TV channels are very hesitant to pick certain things up at the moment and are possibly looking at Amazon picking it up, um, or Netflix, something like that. Um, certainly I know obviously you guys covered it the other week, but certainly Inhumans has no outputs here at all. The only thing that happened was it was shown in IMAX theatres over the weekend. So it was Friday through to Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it was. Um, so you could see the first two episodes here in the UK. You can't see the rest. Right. Waiting to see whether or not there's the interest for it. And maybe that's what they're doing with the Orville also. You know, it's just waiting to see whether or not it's got legs. Um, yeah. 
I think it will have legs. Um, Graham Small is, is looking forward to it as is Sarita P. Erin yeah. um, Eblis is looking forward to John Wick 13, just to go back <laughs> <laughs> to it earlier. <laughs> Um, and Super Cat Chick says, I could have swore I saw something about Buffy, a Buffy reboot. Oh. Did you see anything about that? No, I don't know. But these are always going to be muted projects, aren't they? You know, they're so popular even now. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody decides, yes, we'll reboot it. And you go, is Whedon involved? No. Right. We're not interested then. It, going back to the Twin Peaks thing, you know, when, when they first mooted the Twin Peaks revival, and David Lynch said, yes, I'm in. And then he said, no, I'm not doing it. And everybody went, we're not doing it then. Why yeah. would we do Twin Peaks if David Lynch is not involved? And I think that's the same if if Joss Whedon's not involved. Why would you do it? Even if he's just an executive producer. Right. You that's need, all that needs to happen. Yeah. You need somebody who's in, you know, who could just kind of move it yeah. in the right direction. Yeah. Um. Uh, Super Cat Chick saw it at, uh, saw the Orville panel at San Diego and said it was hilarious. Uh, <laughs> was, it was really good and it looks hilarious. There's going to be a panel at NYC, says Sarita P. Uh, Michael P, uh, says is going to tune in for it also. Um, Michael P saw Ghosted at Fan Expo Canada and it was so, it looked good too. I think yeah. that, I've got Ghosted coming up in, I think that's airing in October. Yeah, I saw the first episode at San Diego. Yeah, so we'll, we'll yeah. talk about that one later. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, Sarita P, uh, most spoof of Star Trek. Star Treks are funny. Um, Galaxy Quest. Galaxy uh, Quest, yes, yes. <laughs> Great was, film. That was just one movie. You know, I yeah, want an Android series. I like I like the small screen <laughs> because I like the, the long form of television. That's why I'm not a big, a huge movie fan. Um, let's see. Andrew English says, I'm looking forward to Orville, even though it's being slated by the critics. I'm assuming he means that it's uh, being panned, not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it is? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm willing to give Seth, Seth MacFarlane the benefit of the doubt and, you know, I'll stick with it for a couple of three, uh, regardless of anything else. Um, we do also have another, uh, major event happening tonight on the AMC channel, uh, here in the States. Uh, first we've got a season eight premiere, um, a season eight, um, uh, preview of, uh, The Walking Dead followed by a two hour uh, episode of a return of fear of the walking dead. Um, we have doctor who has done a really nice article about that and he's published it recently about, um, fear of the walking dead. So it's, it gives you, if you, if you need a little bit of a, a refresh on, on where the characters are, he had a, a, a press room with them in San Diego and has done a nice, nice write up and it's worth, worth taking a read of. Um, We've also, so tonight is packed, and of course, I, I'd be remiss since I've got not one, but two fantasy football teams this. <laughs> yes, and I, I left somebody on the bench last Thursday who, who made a lot of points, so I'm like shooting myself in the head. Um, today is the return of football season, so keep in mind that Sundays are going to be booked up by football fans, if you have any football fans that you know, and or watch football yourself. Uh, Graham Small is saying, yes, Fear of the Walking Dead. Absolutely. I'll probably be flipping back and forth between, uh, you know, zombies and uh, football, <laughs> how my fantasy football players did. <laughs> um, we've also got uh, Top of the Lake, which is, uh, we'll see its return the second season on the Sundance channel. And the Mindy Project. Do you follow? Are you a big fan of the Mindy Project? Oh, I love the Mindy Project, but they cancelled it halfway through here. Mm. So we got, I don't know, the season three, maybe something like that, um, where she just found out she was pregnant. I think it was, and then they didn't show any more. Um, so I've not seen any more. But I love Mindy Kaling. I think she's great. And you couldn't, you couldn't get it on the Hulu. Hulu has no. no Okay. They've got no, no. They have nothing here. Nothing. Huh. No. It was on E4 here, which is a subsidiary of Channel Four. Yeah, because they're uh, apparently they're into the sixth season. Oh, 
I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Well, yes, I did, but yeah, sorry. Never I didn't mind. need that reaction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> South, South Park returns for its 21st season on comedy. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Reboots. Love it. <laughs> Earlier theme that we did. Uh, two more, Sarita P says two more episodes of The Strain and then it's gone forever. Um, Midnight Texas is getting a two hour season ender, um, on Monday and Wednesday, a two night airing. Uh, no word on renewals. So we don't know if that's coming back. I've heard mixed reviews on that, uh, Midnight Texas. I was kind of, I've never been able to devote the time to it, honestly. So I haven't, I haven't really watched it. Um, and, um, Outlander is coming back tonight also if anybody out there is an outlander fan is that the uh show that's set in the scottish highlands where a guy gets his top off all the time is that yes. the one? right okay okay I, yes yes i've <laughs> seen the trailer i i i was in a panel uh speaking of uh serendipi- serendipitously um being exposed to other other projects i was in a huge room Got to see the Outlander panel before the panel that I wanted to see. And I have to say, the people that are running Outlander and the characters in it are a tremendously warm and, uh, very, a very nice bunch, um, a very supportive and, um, uh, very big in the refugee, not refugee, but, uh, very big in support of, um, various charities. So that's, you know, that's, it's a good group of people. I don't know about the show. That's not really my cup of tea. <laughs> Let's see. Um, Q&A. Aaron Niblis, uh Not science fiction or comic book related, but Netflix. Um, the Samurai Gourmet. Um, <laughs> a Netflix show based off of a manga. I believe. Don't watch it on an empty stomach. Actually, that looks. I think I'm going to. I'm definitely going to watch that one. I'm. I'm a huge Gordon Ramsay fan. I love cooking shows. You know. I mean. So, yes, as Mark just just grins and goes. I don't believe she just said that. No, no, no. I'm. 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 Listen. I'm the same. I met Gordon Ramsay a few years ago. Um. I. You know. I'm a fan of his. Uh, I don't like reality shows, but I like it when he turns up and gives somebody a good bollocking. I like that. That's yeah. kind of funny. Um, yeah, so I like those what shows. Mm-hmm. They're, they're my guilty pleasure. Don't tell anybody though. Don't tell anybody. Okay. I love the creativity, and I think you know that's what I really love is that you get to see people who put these odd tastes together and they come up with something that's brilliant, and that's what I really appreciate. Um, uh, season or series? I'm not sure, Graham. What are you talking about? Season or series? Uh, Midnight Texas is rubbish. That's ah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that that's uh, perhaps a good place to leave it. Anything else? No, no, nothing else from me. No. Oh, Aaron Nibla says it's not a cooking show about the uh, samurai gourmet. Okay. okay. Oh, I really have to watch it. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I I like samurais and I like food, so we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, one last thing. Um, speaking of charities and good causes, uh, thoughts out to people in Florida and people who have been evacuated. Uh, continuing thoughts out to people in Houston. Um, we did have a forum member who was, um, whose house was condemned and, uh, they were able to get keys to their new apartment a couple of days ago after two weeks of sleeping in shelters. So, uh, it's, uh, I am so glad, uh, citizen, uh, Milton as, uh, what's his name is his name. And so I'm so glad that that's happened. Um, there is going to be on Tuesday, all of the networks are doing charity uh, fundraisers um, that's going to be across the board. Um, I believe it's ABC, NBC, CBS, um, and probably Fox, Country Music, Bravo, E, MTV. So it's, it's going to be pretty much across the board. 
Um, I prefer vol uh, donating to smaller charities, uh, food banks, and Salvation Army as a or directly to people. That's just going to put that out there. Um, I think some of the bigger Red Cross and the bigger organizations have a tendency of using it towards operating costs and not directly for the people it's intended to. Take that as a personal opinion and uh, move on. Um, anything else? Where can people find you, Mark? Uh, so, oh, so we're wrapping up. Are we well, done? Well, go ahead. Ahead. well, if you want to say anything else, go right no. ahead. No, no, no. I should just tell people where they can find me. Uh, Twitter at Mark underscore Searby. Um, websites, MarkSearby.com. Sadly, my weekly film review segment on the radio has finished. The no. radio stations have all changed, so I'm not on the radio anymore. Um, so that's not happening. Um, however, maybe news to come on that. Maybe some good news later on. Just some things to work on. Um, if you are in the London area, I'm going to be at the Prince Charles Cinema on Tuesday night introducing The Godfather. And then next week, I'm going to be at the Genesis Cinema in London uh, doing a Q&A after a free screening of Dog Day Afternoon. So if you are around, that's a free screening of Dog Day Afternoon. Um, you're going to have to listen to me talk afterwards, unfortunately. Um, I, there. I would have, I would love to, to come to that. That sounds like it's tremendous fun. Well, I shall, I shall try and record a little bit of, uh, the Godfather intro on Tuesday if you're not there. So then I can put that online so you can see a little bit. Um, yes, yeah, so doing those and that's me in a nutshell, I think. Yes. Oh, sorry. One other thing. Um, if you do follow me on Twitter, I'm going to start a new competition tomorrow to win a copy of my book and some other Al Pacino related goodies. Um, so just keep an eye out for that. That sounds good. And people can find your book on Amazon. Amazon, uh, Kobo, iBooks, all of these digital providers. And if you want a physical copy, they're on eBay. The, uh, the definitive guide to Al Pacino. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, we are, uh, wrapping up. Uh, Leonard is hopefully Caroline's, uh, Leonard's wife, Caroline is hopefully better and her, her fingers are, are working <laughs> properly. That's, that's the hope. Um, we, you can support us on Patreon. Go to Englishman in San Diego and, uh, I'm sure that there's a Patreon button on the front of the page and we will be back next week. I'm not sure what with. I hadn't even thought of that. Hopefully we'll get a wrap up of ice. Uh, which he went to this week. And we'll also be talking about Comic-Con HQ and what's what's happening with that. Um, you can find me at the friendsofcc.com website. And my Twitter handle is Alyssa uh, is, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me do the, I'm going to, before I do the Twitter handle, I'm going to do the last minute wrap ups. Um, let's see. Uh, Marco Pierre White, uh, he is, uh, greater than Gordon Ramsay. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Angela Copley is saying, I like Midnight Texas. Uh, Michael P, Doctors Without Borders. <laughs> Not okay. sure where that comes in. <laughs> oh, somebody's going to have to explain that one to me. <laughs> Um, but there is a doc there is a new doctor show which is uh coming up, which kind of is sounding a little interesting. Um Angela Copley, the coastal towns in Texas that got a direct hit need help. Um not to minimize Houston. Absolutely. You know, it's uh, just and send money. They don't need more clothes, they just need money and food. Aaron Nablus, hurrah. Okay, so my Twitter handle is <laughs> at Friends of CCI. Have a good week, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week, and hopefully Leonard will be here hosting. Bye. Bye. <laughs>